KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Hey, Kinsey, KPBS podcast coordinator here with a quick announcement. Beginning today, we are changing the name of the San Diego News Matters podcast to San Diego News Now. We were concerned that the name sounded derivative of the Black Lives Matter movement, and we didn't want to sound like our name was competing in any way. This transition should be seamless for listeners, and our hope is that the change will be reflected everywhere, including podcatchers, over the next few days. Okay, on to the show. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Tuesday, December 15th. Students learning English have suffered the most academically during the pandemic. That story is coming up. But first, let's do the headlines. San Diego County health officials reported more than 2,400 new COVID-19 infections on Monday and no new deaths. It was the sixth day of more than 2,000 cases and the 14-day mark for more than 1,000 daily cases. The first partial shipment of Pfizer COVID-19 vaccines has arrived in San Diego County. Healthcare workers at UC San Diego and Tri-City Medical Center will be some of the first in California to get the first round of vaccines. Once the full shipment of vaccines arrives in the coming days, it will be enough to immunize about 70% of local critical care and health care workers. Health officials have said it could take until March or April for vaccines to be available to all Americans. San Diego's local military base also received their first doses of the vaccine. In a teleconference, Rear Admiral Tim Weber, the head of Naval Medical Forces Pacific, says the first round will not be enough to vaccinate the thousands of sailors and Marines in San Diego. The first doses will go to frontline healthcare workers at Navy hospitals and to first responders. Future rounds will go to troops preparing to deploy and then eventually dependents. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon. Hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. Recent data released by school districts have shown that while many students are falling behind during distance learning, English learners are among those who are suffering the most. KPBS education reporter Joe Hong spoke to teachers and experts about how hard the online learning environment is for these students. Damien Patterson works with English learners in the Grossmont Union High School District. He said they're in an almost impossible situation. Imagine myself going to another country and having to do what they're being asked to do in Arabic or having to do that in Mandarin. I would fail miserably, you know, but that's what they're being asked to do. Data compiled by the district show more failing grades across all student groups. But Patterson says English learners are getting D's and F's at disproportionately higher rates than their peers. And it's not just at Grossmont. Officials at Sweetwater Union High School District and Poway Unified School District see similar trends. Being in a class, being able to practice that language with your peers and, and have those, those engaging conversations and, and where you're using the language, that's by far the best way 
to learn and to help these students become successful. Educators say this crisis is yet another example of the pandemic amplifying existing inequalities. Jorge Cuevas Antion is the district advisor for curriculum and instruction of dual language and English learners at the San Diego County Office of Education. The, the fact that students are getting D's and F's are probably a symptom of larger issues that are going on for these students in their lives. In California's public schools, English learners are more likely to come from low-income families and experience homelessness and are less likely to graduate than their peers. There's a lot of reasons why this category, which has to do with their linguistic background, is just one of the many uh, hurdles that they are experiencing uh, when they're uh, trying to get an education, especially now. That's why one teacher working with English learners says handing out grades to these students is only making things worse. Anna Monhe is an English language development resource teacher at Otay Ranch High School in the Sweetwater Union High School District. It's unfair because the grades are assuming everyone's internet connection is equal and everybody's home life situation is equal that they have a learning space in their home and they are, you know, in quiet locations with no other obligations. Monhe says she's doing her best to help non-bilingual teachers work with their students who only speak Spanish. But the virtual classroom puts up significant barriers. Many students have never met me. So when I do reach outreach to them, they don't respond because they don't know who I am. They've never, they're new to the school, they've never met me. And so that opportunity is lost on them. And Monhe says she often ends up helping both the students and their parents. Under normal circumstances, I think one of the biggest challenges for ELD students is that they don't have a strong advocate because their parents are also English learners for the most part. Back in Grossmont, Patterson says radical measures will be necessary to undo the damage the pandemic has done to English learners. I personally feel like we're going to have to go back and start from the beginning in, in most cases because a lot of these students come to us not being literate or you know fluent in English or literate in their L1 or their primary language and they've had no no educational access I guess I'm trying to say since March. Joe Hong, KPBS News. A manual recount for a Santee City Council race started on Monday. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen says the results came down to just a handful of votes. The recount was requested and is being paid for by the San Diego County Democratic Party. The party's endorsed candidate, Sam Hurst, lost the Santee City Council District 4 race by just five votes. The declared winner, Republican Dustin Trotter, has already been sworn in. He says the registrar of voters is doing a great job, and the outcome of the recount is in God's hands. It just shows that every vote counts, and that this is a, an awesome, awesome process that we were able to go through. Uh, nationally, the voter turnout and local here in San Diego was well above average. Of particular interest in the recount are 36 ballots that weren't counted for reasons including missing or mismatched signatures or a postmark after Election Day. Andrew Bowen, KPBS News. Friendship Park on the U.S.-Mexico border has been connecting communities in the two countries for years. Now, the U.S. Border Patrol plans to replace the border wall there, which will drastically change the park. KPBS's Max Rivlin-Nadler reports. Friendship Park on the U.S.-Mexico border adjacent to the Pacific Ocean has tied the binational community together, sharing prayer services, gardens, family reunions, and even sports. But in the waning days of the Trump administration, 
Border Patrol has told the stewards of the park that it plans to quickly replace the two fences that line it, replacing them with 30-foot-high bollards. John Fanestill is with the Friends of Friendship Park. In my mind, it's a further desecration of this historic location. The location was designed to be a binational meeting place. Advocates for Friendship Park hope the incoming Biden administration will not follow through on any contracts signed by the Trump administration or complete any work that's been started. Border Patrol told KPBS it plans to award contracts in the coming weeks, with the project to be completed by late 2021. Max Rivlin Adler, KPBS News. On Monday, California presidential electors cast 55 votes for Democrats Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, pushing the ticket over the threshold to officially secure the White House. Cap Radio's Nicole Nixon reports. California's electors included a litany of elected officials and Democratic Party leaders, as well as a former Super Bowl champion and the executive producer of the sitcom Big Bang Theory. San Diego Assemblywoman Shirley Weber was also an elector and served as chair of the gathering. We today, the electors, have cast 55 votes, more than any other state, for Joe Biden as president and 55 votes for Kamala Harris as vice president. None of the electors in California or in any state cast votes for the candidate they weren't pledged to. Outside of the assembly chamber, law enforcement barricaded the Capitol grounds in case of protests. Demonstrators have gathered in downtown Sacramento every weekend since the election, claiming without evidence that President Trump won. But those protesters were absent during California's electoral vote. Congress will meet to certify the votes in early January. In Sacramento, I'm Nicole Nixon. And coming up on the podcast, government officials have done a lot to assure us testing and treatment for COVID-19 will be affordable. But is that true? KPBS is launching a new project to find out. That story's next, just after this break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. For the last nine months, government officials have assured us that testing and treatment for COVID-19 is affordable. But is that true? Well, KPBS health reporter Taryn Mento is teaming up for a project with iNews sources Jill Castellano to investigate. They both spoke with KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Heidman about their new project. Here's that interview. Hey, Taryn, I'll start with you. What prompted this project? Yeah, the, the New York Times has done some excellent work on surprise medical bills and found that you know some patients were receiving unexpected charges not covered by insurance. Even a resident in a nursing facility told the Times that they had a COVID fee to cover personal protective equipment. Another COVID patient saw a similar PPE charge on a bill for an ambulance ride. The Time referred to this as the COVID charge. They also reported on surprise fees for for out-of-network services uh, that the patient wasn't aware they were receiving. So we're looking to see if any of this is happening in San Diego County. And Jill, you know, aside from looking at San Diego County, what do you hope to find out from all this? Well, we know medical bills can be really expensive. 
There are cases where patients are being charged a lot of money for COVID testing or treatment, and sometimes they had no idea it was going to cost that much. We also know some providers are charging more than others for the same services, which shows a problem with equity in our healthcare system. So we're trying to understand why these situations are happening and prevent residents from facing the same problems in the future. And Taryn, what's the reason some medical bills are so expensive despite government assurances uh, that they won't be? Right. There are there are laws. Um, insurance companies are required to pay the full cost of COVID-19 testing with, without charging a patient anything. And if a patient receives care at an out-of-network facility, they're not supposed to face higher charges for that. But if they go to a facility in their network and a doctor there happens to be out of their network, then that could cost more. So there are exceptions to treatment and testing, and, and that's what we're looking into. We're trying to learn from our audience when these happen and then dig into why it's happening. And Jill, you all mentioned in your call out that some high medical bills related to COVID-19 are just unavoidable. Can you tell me about some of those situations? Absolutely. One of the most common scenarios is ambulances, either on the ground transport or when it gets really expensive is helicopter rides. If you're unconscious, it might be the case that you need to be airlifted to the hospital and you have no control over that situation. You certainly don't have for, have control over who operates that helicopter, who owns that helicopter, what agreement that owner has with your insurance company or with the hospital you're being flown to. So because of all those factors, there are cases we've seen where people are being charged tens of thousands of dollars for these helicopter rides. There was one recent study that found as many as 71% of ambulance rides could result in surprise out-of-network bills. Wow. So medical transport is one thing. Taryn, talk to me about some of the hidden fees in these medical bills that you're that you're hearing about. Right. So the Times has reported, you know, that some nursing homes and dentists are charging customers extra fees with, without letting them know beforehand to maybe make up the money that they're spending to acquire that personal protective equipment for their workers. And the Times called these COVID fees and they could be around twenty five or fifty dollars. And so then, Jill, tell me about these medical offices and facilities. Can they realistically offer COVID testing and treatment at an affordable price? And, and are they given resources to do so from the government? Yeah, that really gets to the heart of this project. We know here in San Diego, county and state testing sites are fully covering the costs of testing and charging zero dollars. I've gone to these sites and paid zero dollars. We've started to have people write into our call out and say they haven't paid any money for going to these county and state sites. But we also know there are other sites out there and that we need those other sites that are not county or state run to meet the need in San Diego County. And we've started receiving responses from people saying they've paid as much as $160 for testing at some of those private sites. So the question is, are those private providers receiving enough financial support from the government to make testing and treatment affordable? And if they are, why are they charging so much? Basically, we want to know, could COVID healthcare be less expensive than it is right now? And Taryn, we keep mentioning this call out. What do you need for people listening to this to do? Well, they can help us by by telling us, you know, what have you been charged for COVID-19 testing or treatment? And then spreading the word um, about this project. Uh, and to answer the questions about what you've been charged, you can go to kpbs.org slash COVID cost. Uh, and because this is an iNewsource KPBS partnership, you can also email COVID at iNewsource.org. Also, KPBS and iNewsource are on Twitter. Jill and I are on Twitter. So you can tweet us there. And we've we've both push, been um, pushing out the link that'll take you back to how you can answer these questions. 
That was KPBS health reporter Taryn Mento and iNews Source investigative reporter Jill Castellano, both of them speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Heidman. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu.